Aloha! You are listening to Inside the Desert Oasis Room, episode number 200. This episode is sponsored by the Tiki Bar T-Shirt Club, where their monthly t-shirt designs pay tribute to a Polynesian bar or restaurant from days long past. Each design is available for a limited time and will never be produced again. For the collectors out there, be sure to check out their subscription program, where they offer a discounted 3, 6, or 12-month plan, or you can always buy shirts one at a time. For more information and to check out this month's shirt, visit tikibartshirtclub.com. If you have a product, service, or event that you'd like to bring attention to, we can help. This podcast reaches thousands of listeners in over 100 countries every week. Imagine hearing your ad in this spot, just like you're hearing this one right now. Sponsor an episode and get the exposure you deserve. For more information, go to DesertOasisRoom.com and click on Services. For episode 200, we come to you live from Tiki Caliente in Palm Springs, California to chat with our dear friend Sylvia Flores. Sylvia is a California native who found her way to Honolulu, Hawaii and tells us about her eclectic background, her transition from the mainland to the islands, and as a burlesque dancer, talks about her alter ego, Chichironis, and what took her down the path of pursuing the classic art of burlesque performance. As always, I hope you enjoy this episode as much as we did bringing it to you. If you enjoy this podcast, please stop by DesertOasisRoom.com and click on the tip jar. Every tip or donation, no matter the size, is very much appreciated and helps keep this podcast coming to you every week. And if you'd like to follow our adventures, check out our YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash PolynesianPop. As a supplement to this episode, We'll be posting a vlog of our weekend at Tiki Caliente. Alrighty, let's get into this. Grab a Mai Tai and join us from Tiki Caliente in Palm Springs, California. And give it up for our friend Chichi Ronis. We are back with another episode live from Tiki Caliente 2021. And I've got one of my very dear friends on the podcast today, my friend Sylvia Flores, a.k.a. Chichironis. Welcome to the podcast, Aloha. Sylvia. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining the podcast. I'm so happy to finally have you on the show. You're one of my favorite people. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, I am very happy to be here. I'm very happy to be in Palm Springs with you. Yeah. Very happy to be here at Tiki Caliente with you. Yeah, so. yeah. I think the first time we met was, it was actually here at Tiki Caliente three years ago. The last Tiki Caliente. Yeah, so a couple of years ago, because with COVID, we've obviously not been able to enjoy this event here. I think the last time was in 2019. Is that right? I believe so, yes. So 2019 is two years ago. So, okay. The thing about COVID and the pandemic and all this weird stuff that's been happening is time has been kind of a weird thing for me. 
right? Like a year doesn't feel like a year anymore. It's it's just lost. Yep. It's unusual. It just feels weird, like crazy weird. It's yes. I I've had so many people in that industry that I I work in my day job. Um, okay. A lot of people write checks, and we've had a lot of twenty twenties continued to be written oh, because that's people funny. just don't. It, it went by so quickly, yeah, right? Yeah. But it, it it's still we're stuck there, but we're not. I don't know. It's strange. Yes, the past two years have been very very strange. Very strange. I feel like I've known you forever now. Even though it's only been two years, it feels like it's been 10 years. And we had so much fun in Hawaii. Yes, we did. That was great. Tiki and Waikiki. There were things that you and I discussed there that I thought our listeners would find interesting. You are someone that came from San Diego. Correct. And now you live on the island of Oahu. Yes, in Honolulu. Oh, okay. So... Talk about that. Tell us about your transition to Hawaii and what brought you there. Sure. Um, so I uh, was raised in San Diego. Um, a fun fact, I've always lived near the ocean. So I was born in Florida. Okay. Raised in San Diego. Um, I guess for, for a few years, I did not live near the ocean. I went to college up in Davis, California. Oh, wow. Okay. So it was up in Davis. Um, I often went to the Bay Area. Um, my I had family in the area at that time, San Jose, Oakland. Of course, I would go to San Francisco, um, Napa, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Might be your SoCal turned NorCal gal, mm, perhaps. Okay. But then I went away. <laughs> yeah. Um, so after school in Davis... Um, it was time to decide where to go. You don't really stay in little Cowtown, Davis. So um, I had wanted to move to San Francisco, uh, but I ended up moving to Hawaii. I had some family out there. Uh, my sister moved out to Molokai and spent some time out there. So to be a little bit closer to her, uh, my okay. partner and I at the time um, decided to go out there. So, you know, I think this is a fantasy for a lot of people to leave the mainland and moved to a tropical island. How difficult was that? Is it something that anybody can just go and do? I think so, as long as you set your mind to it, set your heart to it, and um, you put the work in, mm-hmm. right? It's definitely possible. It's just like moving across state lines or from you know one city to another. Mm-hmm. Um, moving's kind of a pain, takes some money. Uh, It takes some planning, but it's definitely possible. Um, For example, I went to Hawaii. I didn't have any job lined up. So uh, my partner went ahead of me. So that helped for someone to secure housing, secure a place to live. Um, We lived in Kalihi, which was a little bit cheaper um, in Honolulu. So that helped. Um, And my first three months there was me trying to find a job. Oh, did you know... The neighborhoods before you moved in? No idea. Oh. I knew nothing about So there was Hawaii. nobody there that could say, you know, like, what's your budget? And this is probably a good place to start. I didn't know anyone, um, but the person I went out with did have family out there. So okay. that was the tie for him to want to go out there. He had yeah. spent some time um, during university years living in Honolulu just to get a break from yeah, school. Yeah. Um, so I think he was aware of the area a little bit, but I don't know to what extent, but he yeah. was able to kind of get us started, which which was very helpful. 
And um, yeah, I didn't have any work lined up, you know, had a little bit of savings okay. to live off of. Okay. Um, and then, um, you know, tried to look around. The, I, I thought perhaps getting into the hospitality industry, right? It's such a strong mm-hmm. industry out in Hawaii. But um, I ended up falling into the nonprofit world, um, as many of us who don't have huge aims and dreams to yeah. go into a certain industry. I think um, many of us end up working in nonprofit. Did you have a background in that before you went? No, I did not. Okay, okay. Because it seems like the easy transition, if you're going to move to the islands, hospitality is probably the biggest economic sector there, mm-hmm. right? So it's probably the easiest way to find a job quickly. And you said you're open to that, but what made you choose a nonprofit? Was it um, to go more in line with what I I thought I wanted to do? Okay, or, I mean I still kind of want to do, but I strayed from that path a little bit. I wanted to get into health education, and I found um, a part time position as a health educator okay. um, for the American Lung Association. So I did that part time, and that led into full time work. Um, although I, on the side, I was you know working. I guess counter service. Okay. Um, okay. At a cafe, and then I also worked in an adult store for oh. a couple of years. At the <laughs> I nighttime. never knew that part. <laughs> That's interesting. Wow. Okay. Shout out to um, Essentially Yours on Nimitz in I love Honolulu. It. <laughs> I love it. There we go. Shout out to Essentially Yours. <laughs> Tell me about the differences when you went from the mainland to the islands because. There's all kinds of adjustments I'm sure you had to make. There's cultural differences. There's lifestyle differences. And Hawaii is, it's not like moving from California. Like if I live in Vegas, live in Los Angeles, move to Vegas, or I move to Chicago, or I move to Fort Lauderdale. Hawaii is really its own place. What kind of adjustments did you have to make? Um, everybody talks about or asks about island time. And I do think that's a thing. Um, you're, I mean, I guess it's it's not so much you're more relaxed. It's that people are a little less uptight. Okay. I'm not sure if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so that was different. Um, you know, um, kind of take your time into doing things. Um, and another big thing that I realized was family is a huge mm-hmm. thing in Hawaii. So... Um, even down to like multi-generational households, um, you know, families sticking close by each other. Um, but I guess that could be also on the mainland too, or, or maybe within the Filipino community. Yeah. It's a little similar. I know the multi-general, multi-generational or actually multi-family household mm-hmm. is very common there. It's starting to happen here because of the cost of living. Yes. Do you think that that's, the reason why it's so popular there, or do you think that's more of a cultural thing? I think both play into okay. it because um, it is a little bit expensive to be in yeah. Hawaii, but also just culturally, um, you know, there's uh, again, I don't know if I'm, I'm swayed a certain way with Asian culture and whatnot, mm-hmm. um, and just being very close to family and everything is very important. Um, so I think it's a little bit of both that plays into that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Those are some yeah. definite things that I noticed when I came out. Okay. Um, other than like the weather was yeah. gorgeous 
all the, the time. We- the weather is great there. Uh, it it does not get brisk, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things I miss. So when I come to the mainland, I'm down to San Diego or here, for instance, in Palm Springs. In the nighttime, it gets brisk, like mm-hmm. a little cool, mm-hmm. like ooh, and you miss that. Huh? I miss that. Yeah, <laughs> you very rarely get yeah. that. I remember the first time I went to Hawaii decades ago. I don't know if I came during a time when the the humidity just happened to be on a high spell, but I remember it being so humid that I I audibly gasped and looked at my partner and said, "How do people live out here? It is so humid." But it's interesting that every time I've returned and I've been to more than one island, right? I've been to Oahu multiple times, Kauai multiple times, Maui multiple times, and I've never experienced that humidity again. I don't know if it was just a fluke or some weird thing that happened that first time that I went, but every time I've gone back, it's it's felt normal, for lack of a better term. So mm, Things are changing, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's a climate change or anything, but it's just a comment that I I'm making based on my first observation, but now I don't think I've ever been to the islands, even when it's raining. I've never felt that briskness either. Mm-hmm. You know? And then um, when you come here, um, you definitely dry out. I, yeah. Every day I'm feeling more and more like a raisin. Mm-hmm. Just my skin is. <laughs> what about the cultural differences here in? We talked about the multifamily, multi-generational home. But here in the mainland, one of the things that I find when I go to Hawaii is the food is very cultural-based. Lots of Asian foods, Mm -hmm. right? Things that you don't normally find here in the mainland, which actually really kind of kills me. Because I'll go there, and there are things that I really enjoy while I'm there. And then when I come back, I crave it, and I can't find it anywhere. Like what? Like gaji. Okay. Can't find that. Kololo. Can't find kololo anywhere. I actually, like, I looked up recipes, like, I I want some kololo. I'm going to make some kololo. Mm -hmm. Um, I I was even talking with our friend, the Tiki Boss, about garlic shrimp. Like a garlic shrimp plate. It's not made with magical ingredients. True. It's garlic shrimp. (laughs) Why why don't we find that here? And I don't think that that's necessarily a quote-unquote American dish, right? Because it's a seafood dish. And it comes from the islands. I, I, I think it's culturally, um, it's culturally skewed, unless I'm wrong about that. Um, I don't know. It's maybe. I know the gaji is culturally skewed for sure. Yeah. Kololo is culturally skewed mm-hmm. for there's, sure. I feel like there's certain foods that are very local to Hawaii. Like, is meat gen a thing that you can get mm, regularly out here? Is. Oh, so it's even a- spamasubis. Right, masubi is what when you wrap something in seaweed. That's kind of yeah, Japanese masubi, influence. Onigiri, yeah, so, yeah. So, um, okay. Well, back on the meat, Jen. So that's what you can get at a lot of Korean barbecue places or like um, counter service Korean barbecue spots. It's essentially um, thinly cut slices of meat that are battered in like an egg, egg and flour yeah, mixture yeah. and fried up and it's delicious but i think that's a thing that's like kind of local either to hawaii or maybe to the korean population in hawaii and it's not something that i've seen here on the mainland so much but um one of the best things i did when i first moved um when i first moved to hawaii my parents came soon after for a visit and we went to the waipahu plantation Mm -hmm. and again i 
you know, moving to Hawaii, I didn't really know too much about it um, other than partner at the time had extended family over there. Um, you know, his uncle has is a Kamaina guy, married a local woman, has lived there for decades and whatnot. Um, but going to, so I didn't know too much about the local culture and whatnot. The Waipohu Plantation is, is a great um, attraction to visit if people are able to. It's kind of like a living museum, kind of, but kind of not. Not where like in Jamestown, right, mm-hmm. in Virginia, right, you have people from back in the day dressed up and doing their trades and stuff. This Waipahu Plantation kind of walks you through the different ways of immigrants that came to Hawaii to work on the cane yeah. and pineapple fields. Yeah. So it was really cool for me to learn how the locals came to be. So, um, of course, um, there's the Hawaiians, but then also the local culture. So sure. the Chinese, the Japanese, the Koreans. Right. Um, it's the mix of migration. Yeah, right. and, and the different waves that came over and how they each contributed mm-hmm. bits and pieces to um, kind of make what the local culture in Hawaii, right, what it is today. Right, right. So that, you, that influences the food. Yes, you see that very much through food. Um, I'm sure through like celebration and whatnot. Sure, sure. Um, or, you know, even with... Um, even the way they talk. Because yeah. Pidgin English comes from that. Yeah. They all brought different languages to the table. And they just kind of use pieces from each to mm-hmm. communicate. Yep. Um, even down to the plate lunch, right? So yeah, yeah. plate lunch is what a lot of the plantation workers would eat. And that's taking bits of bits and pieces of different dishes yeah, from different cultures yeah. that could stay, um, you know, in their little lunch boxes and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so as a mainlander coming to Hawaii... Is there anything that surprised you? And and is there anything that you like or dislike or anything that just kind of kind of threw you off balance? Um Do you get island fever? No, I do not. But I feel like you could plunk me down in like a town of 400 people and I'd find something to do. So I I think I just don't have that personality. Um, Although I have seen and heard from others that they do get island fever. I don't know if it's like a physical thing, like they know they're just on an island and they can't go anywhere. Um, But also people get bored or they say there's not enough to do and whatnot. Um, I live in Honolulu, so it's definitely a city, small, but still still a city. I think, um, you know, maybe if I lived on another island, it might be different. So there you go. Um, I've always said that Oahu offers everything. So if you want to go to the country, you can go to the country. Mm-hmm. If you want to stay on a tropical beach, you can stay on a tropical beach. But if you want to stay in the city, you can stay in the city. And then you have everything that comes with all of these things, Right. You have everything that comes with the city in the city uh-huh. and you have the same tranquility in the on the tropical beach or in the country, up country or whatever uh, the, the locals call it there that comes with living there. Yes. Right. So I've always thought that Oahu is very diverse in that way. Um, I don't know if I would get island fever in Oahu, but as you mentioned, 
If I go to another island, maybe. Maybe in Hilo. I mean, it's you just have to mentally prepare yourself. It's a different pace of life. Mm-hmm. So for for me, for instance, when I think of Hilo um, or the Big Island, it's that's like country, right? So you just kind of have to adjust. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to be going out to the theater every night or. Mm-hmm. You know, going to different bars every night, but you're going to be, you know, spending more time with family, maybe doing things outdoors more. Um, the, the good thing about Big Island is you can drive. I do miss this very much, um, like road trips and whatnot. Yeah. You can only drive so far yeah, on Oahu. Yeah, yeah. You have to turn around. Yeah. Um, so it's nice to be in California um, just because you can kind of keep going. But, um, you know, there's... There's always going to be something to do. Um, I highly recommend when people move somewhere new, a good thing to do is join a sports team (laughs) or a a recreational something for adults. It's a great way to meet people and make friends. Something that will make you social. Yeah. Yeah. Get yourself out there. Is there anything you miss about living in San Diego or living in the mainland in general? Yes. The Mexican food. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I may be Filipina, but by consumption, I am Mexican and Sirachan. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, I love it. The Mexican food on Oahu, there's a lot, but I don't know. It's just different. And it's different. From San Diego. It's different from San it's Diego. It's not even Correct. just, it's different from San Diego. So we've thrown this out here before, and I've argued with people about where the best Mexican food in the United States comes from. I think it's in San Diego. I think so, too. Because I've had the Tex-Mex stuff, which is just too weird and unauthentic to me. And there's nowhere else in the country where I think you're going to get a better, more authentic plate of Mexican food than in the southernmost part of California because it's so close to the Mexican border. Yeah, we might as well be in Mexico. Right, right. So, yeah, yeah, it's got to be. And and here's the thing. It's torture when you're craving something and you just can't get it. Yeah. The garlic shrimp plate that I mentioned earlier Uh. is one of those things for me (laughs) because I've actually sat in bed before I've gone to sleep with my laptop on my lap and I'm just... You know, doing what I do. I'm on social media or scrolling the internet or whatever. And then maybe something pops up. This something popped up with the Giovanni shrimp truck one time. And I, it just like hit me. It, it And I ended up before going to bed booking a trip back to Oahu oh just goodness. because I wanted to get some, you know. Oh, so lovely. Yeah. So I, lovely. I, I get that feeling. What else is there that you miss about the mainland? You told me about road trips, mm-hmm. the Mexican food. Anything else? Um, I don't know. You know, especially on Oahu, we have pretty much everything. Did you ever used to go skiing or snowboarding? I used to go snowboarding up here in Big Bear often. Mm-hmm. And then um, when I was in Davis, we'd go in Tahoe, of course. Okay. Um, but, you know, that was just more for a novelty of it. I wasn't oh, hardcore okay. or anything. Okay. Um, one thing I can say is a plus of being in Hawaii is the warm water. Yeah. Even though now yeah. I think it's cold when I go in, but I almost couldn't imagine going swimming down in San Diego. Sometimes when I want to go snorkeling or diving i'll go to la jolla cove Mm -hmm. it's not as pretty and it's super cold super cold and then um there's all the kelp which is a thing that people in hawaii are like oh that stuff's Uh, weird yeah it's weird (laughs) it's gross yeah and when one gets wrapped around your leg it's (laughs) it feels like slime all right so 
You go through this whole experience, and everything that we do in life is a learning experience, right? Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's harder than we expect. If you could do all of this all over again, would you do anything different? It's hard to say, um, because who knows, right, if I had done something different or acted in another manner, Mm -hmm. would my path have been totally different from where I am today? Um, I think just you know, to kind of have an open mind, um, right? When I came out to Hawaii, I wasn't hard set to do X, Y, and Z. I Mm -hmm. kind of just went with the flow. Um, And yeah, just be open, um, take opportunities as they arise has really helped me. Um, And, you know, uh, soon after I moved out, there was a breakup. Um, Mm -hmm. So being away from my family during that time, um, you know, not having my close friends from college around there, but having made new friends and whatnot and having, you know, a beginning of a new support network out yeah, there to yeah, help you yeah. um, was really helpful. So, um, I don't know. Okay. Okay. That's a fair answer. I'm, I'm just trying to get to if there were any lessons that were learned what the life change has taught you you know a lot of times it's easy to wrap yourself in a safety blanket and it's hard to make that big change you know it's, i'm actually going through that right now with my son who's moving up to northern california he just he moved yesterday and i'm learning things from him that he's learning for himself mm-hmm. so. i definitely think you know, being a younger, a, a young adult, I guess, or what, in your 20s and whatnot. And how old is your son? He's 22. Okay. So around that age, right, to move somewhere new mm-hmm. while you're still in a sense of like self-discovery mm-hmm. and um, learning how to live on your own and whatnot. Like the real spreading of the wings, I think more so than like going off to college, which yeah. many people yeah. do, but actually living yeah, As this is adult. his this is his first time on his own. He graduated from UCLA in June. Yeah. I think it's a that I mean that's something that people should experience. Yeah. How to yeah. how to get out there and, and how to live. Um, you know, how to hold a stable job and keep a right. a roof over your head right. and um, you know, try and find a ad balance bills and income yeah yeah find a find a happy place of living right like i'm not like rolling in dough in hawaii in the nonprofit world but i'm able to be there yeah i'm able to do the things that i like to do um you know travel Mm -hmm. when i to the places i want to get to um so it's just yeah finding that balance and um taking risks sometimes sure sure i love it okay so for our friends that don't know, our friend Sylvia is also a burlesque dancer that goes by the name of Chichi Ronis, which I find extremely creative. What a cool name, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I learned about your stage name from the Vatos Utiki. Ah. Those are the guys who are like, hey, look at this. There's there's a dancer by the name of Chichi Ronis. What a cool name. My little play on Chicharron. I love it. I love it. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk to you about your burlesque background. Sure. So let's talk about that for a little bit. How did that get started? You said you worked in an adult 
store. Ah, yes. Was this before or after? This was after. No relation. Oh, um, no relation. Yeah. Okay. Um, when I had spoke before about wanting to get into health education, mm-hmm. um, I had wanted to go into, um, I guess, um, sex sex education for aging adults. Oh, for like older folks. Okay. Um, I've sort of put that on the side for now. But that was my avenue into it. Um, I got involved with um, kind of peer-to-peer sex ed in college, going around all the frats and sororities, talking about all kinds of fun stuff to be safe out there. Um, mm-hmm. And I had wanted to work with older people because everyone has the right to a happy and healthy sure. personal sex life, even, even as we age, you know, as you lose your partner, um, as your body ages and whatnot. So that stuff really interests me, but I, I didn't go down that path yet. Perhaps down the road I will. Um, so when I came out here, it was just to kind of stay surrounded by sex. So I decided <laughs> to work in the adult store. Um, but uh, burlesque started for me in, I think it was 2008. There's Teaserama, mm-hmm. which I'm not sure if you're familiar with or not. I am, yeah. Baby Doe's show that she put on. Um, I was able to catch it before I moved in San Francisco at um, Bimbo's okay. in Little Italy. Okay. So I went, volunteered um, to try and, you know, get a cheaper ticket (laughs) (laughs) to come and see um, while I was saving up to come out to Hawaii. And, um, you know, I must have gone to another show Mm. locally, either in Davis or Sacramento, and seen a flyer for it. So then I went over to Tizarama and um, jaw dropped to the floor, performance after performance. And I was like, how do I do this? How do I do this? How do I, not just as an audience member, but like, how do I make the audience feel like I do now? Mm -hmm. Right. So um, it was actually, I I feel like this is a lot of people's stories. I saw Dirty Martini from um, New York. Mm -hmm. I saw her perform and I was just like, wow, that's so amazing. Like, I want to be able to entertain like this um which is really funny because i'm kind of a introverted person that's interesting um and really performing there's a couple odd things that i do out in the world and it is very much like an avatar like it's not i feel like it's not really me but it is Uh, me it's like a weird so you feel like you have maybe like a an alter ego. I have many alter egos. Okay. Okay. When you got started doing this, and I'm curious, just as somebody who just doesn't know, do you have somebody kind of hold your hand through it? Did you have to learn routines and and the costuming and all that kind of stuff? And I'm sure there's a, a subculture that you had to acclimate to. Yeah. You know, um, so at Teaserama... Um, again, all this advertising does work, everyone. There was a flyer, I think, that I saw a flyer or something in the program about the um, sizzling sirens in Sacramento. Okay. So they were a new um, troop, start, or a new, it was an opportunity to take classes um, with this woman, Jay Siren. And so I saw that, signed up right away. Um, for I think one of their first or second cohorts of uh-huh. performers, and um, I don't have a background in dance or anything, unless you know five-year-old ballet classes count. I don't think they do. Um, and yeah, right. So this was all I I was um, c- 
crashing on couches for a couple months again before I moved out to Hawaii and um, took this, it was like a six or eight week class, mm-hmm. learned a dance routine, um, got to perform in Sacramento with one of their shows. So that was my first, I guess, kind of burlesque performance in front of a real live audience. Wow. Um, and I had such a great time that when I was moving to Hawaii, I looked on MySpace uh-huh. um, and found Cherry Blossom Cabaret, which is the um, one of the troops in Hawaii on Oahu, and got in touch with them, sent them a private message. Um, and I moved in December. They had auditions in February, I think. Uh-huh. And um, I auditioned and became part of the troupe. Oh, cool. So it was through there, you know, kind of that um, sisterhood, I guess, okay. of, of learning from each other and whatnot. Um, and this is also something that goes back to what you mentioned, finding a social group. Yes. That you can become a part of that will help you assimilate. Yes. Right. How different is the culture there versus the mainland, the, the burlesque subculture? How different is it? Um, I think we're very small compared to here on the mainland. So another um, thing that I had thought about, again, um, before before we were moving, was that I really wanted to move to the Bay Area um, just because the Bay Area is amazing. Um, talk about accessibility to all kinds of things you could get into. Um, so, right, for instance, in San Francisco or Oakland, there's like shows after shows, mm-hmm. so many opportunities. Whereas um, in Honolulu, we're much smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at that time, Cherry Blossom might have been the only burlesque troupe. Nowadays, there are more. Um, there's a few different groups and thus a few more opportunities to perform, um, pandemic notwithstanding. Um, so it, it's just a smaller scene, mm-hmm. a much smaller scene. Um, you know, maybe had I been on the mainland or the continent, um, a burlesque career would have looked different. Not yeah. sure. But I guess it's also how much a person puts into it. I and, expect it would be different. Yeah. Because, you know, the island culture is different already. So I, I, I expect that it would be different. But um, every time I think of Hawaii, I think of island lifestyle and burlesque is not part of that and maybe I'm wrong I mean maybe like maybe the things that I think about is is wrongly stereotypical of you know we living still, on an island we have our subcultures and everything yeah. there too you know we have yeah. our um, burlesque scene there's punk rock scene the goth scene yeah, yeah. Um, it's all it's all gonna show up in any city sure so sure i think the biggest thing is uh maybe shipping and handling is very expensive right. <laughs> so getting your uh, materials and supplies right. rhinestones right and whatnot. i get that i get that and covid must have affected you guys sure yeah because shows were shut down everywhere that's right um we um Violetta Beretta, who's mm-hmm. another performer based on Oahu, um, hosts the Hawaii Burlesque Festival mm-hmm. annually. And so when we found out in March um, about everything happening, the much-loved theater that we use, the Doris Duke Theater at the Honolulu Museum of Art, was closed. Um, I believe they're still closed today. 
So, you know, that was a big event that we looked forward to every year, um, you know, to get friends and performers out. And we haven't had that for two years now. So it's definitely affected performers and whatnot. Wow. I haven't seen her in a few years. I used to see her at Oasis every year. Yeah. And because of COVID, it's been a while. She's been a guest on the podcast before, and we love her here at Inside the Desert Oasis Room. So shout out to our friend Violetta Beretta. I want to get into some deep dive questions now because these to me are the fun questions. This is the stuff where I get to know you. We're going to find out what Chichironis is really like in these questions. I hope you're open to some of these. Sure. Shoot. Okay. We're going to have some fun here. I love starting with the superpower question. If you could have any superpower, what would that be? I'm not sure how to put this into words, um, but like an endless stomach. Um, Okay. Just, I would never get full, but never be starving. So, okay. Never get full, but never be starving. Okay. So I could just eat. Bottomless pit. Everything. Ah, So. The power of the bottomless pit. Pit, pit, pit. So I have some. (laughs) I love the echo. So I have something similar to that. I'd love to be able to eat whatever I want without gaining any weight. There. Kind of So there's that. that. Uh, and I've had actually some really great answers from previous guests. I'd love to be able to communicate with my pets. Um, with some of the other ones, I'd love to be able to teleport. So I could go to the Maikai for happy hour and still be back home at a decent time. <laughs> some of that stuff, is those, those are always fun answers to me. Uh, if you could spend any time with anyone, real or fictitious, dead or alive, who would you choose? Real or fictitious, dead or alive. So here's some examples just to help you out. Time traveling with Marty McFly might be fun. Mm-hmm. Having a ditch day with Ferris Bueller might be fun. Mm-hmm. Training with Bruce Lee. Smoking a blunt with Bob Marley. This is a hard one. <laughs> Going surfing with uh, Laird Hamilton. I would like to be able to spend time with any of my great grandparents. Oh, I love it. That's my always my answer. Because, you know, that there are people I never knew. Yeah. Um, my mom, my parents have told me stories about them, but to kind of, you know, see where I come from and see what life was it. like back I love it. in the Philippines, you know, back in I those w- days. I would love to meet and spend time with a great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather, great-great-great-grandfather, something like that, right? Relatives that I've never met, seen, or, or known. Maybe I'd also like to uh, make scrambled eggs with Gordon Ramsay. That's another one, too. <laughs> So I love your answer. Yeah, I always fall back on family that I've never met because I know nothing about my family past my grandfather. Mm -hmm. Same here, past my grandparents. Okay, next question. If you could choose someone to play you in a movie, who would you choose? I have like a backwards answer for this. Okay. Jason Statham. Oh, I love it. Because first off, I want to be him. So maybe he could be me and it could be satisfied in that weird way. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I always say The Rock because, you know, we kind of uh, we're twins, right? Ah, yes. We're twinsies. I see so. the resemblance. 
Um, I want, yeah, he's my spirit animal. Oh, is he really? I want to be him. He's amazing. He's so cool. Yeah, he's he's awesome. I think he's an awesome person. Uh, just the way, even how he carries himself, right? He's such a he's such a a charitable and fun and giving and thoughtful person. So yeah, I love him. I love him. All right, if you could travel anywhere in time, when would you choose? I would like to go back into the 1960s okay. so I can shop Oh, nice. I drop, go to Woolworths. Nice. I love it. <laughs> so for me, I'd like to be at the bar when Ray made his mistake. There you go. I'd like to be at the bar when Trader Vic made his Mai Tai. And I'd like to be at Dawn's Beach Corner Cafe on opening night. Ugh. So I have three answers for that. What's your death row meal? My death row meal, um, definitely a bag of cheese puffs oh, okay. would be there. Um, gosh, probably some tacos, some cabeza tacos. Okay. Be, yeah, I think so. You really love the Mexican food. I do. Okay. And, and cheese puffs. Okay. Big cheese buff fan. Um, yeah, some tacos, maybe a good enchilada, throw a tostada in there. That sounds good. Um, just to, you know, know I'd die happy. Yeah. Satiated. Yeah. With my endless pit. <laughs> not <laughs> <laughs> With your endless pit stomach. <laughs> so I told you before we started recording, I think my death row meal would be a big serving of kare kare, which mm. is a Filipino dish made with oxtail and a peanut sauce. And I had asked him with or without bagaong. And with bagaong. Hell yeah, you can't eat that without bagaong. So <laughs> I know my non-Filipino friends have no idea what I'm saying with all of these weird words, but hit me up. I'll take you out for a bowl of this stuff and you tell me <laughs> if you like it. If you like Asian food with a peanut sauce, and you're, you're probably thinking of the same flavor that I'm thinking of. So that's my death row meal. Do you have anything on your bucket list? On my bucket list... Gosh, I feel like there's a lot of things that I've done recently um, on my bucket list. Travel to all those countries that I want to go to that I haven't been to yet. Travel's a big one. I'd really yeah. like to go to Iran. Okay. To wow. Interesting yeah. answer. So one day. That's definitely on the bucket list. And what is the reason for that? Um, Food, culture, oh, okay. beauty, uh, these mountains. Kind of. Okay. I got you. Beautiful landscape, um, food. Yeah, travel is probably, that's probably the big one for me. There's lots of things I'd like to see. I'd, I'd like to see Tokyo. I haven't been there yet. Oh, I know well, people can, who have, but well, I haven't. You can stop in Honolulu on your way. I know, right? Seriously, I'd like to ride a junk in China. Geez, why are things escaping me right now? I would like to see the Great Wall. My sisters have been on the Great Wall. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm jealous Tra of that. Traveling so. to a lot of you know, places I haven't been to yet, but I, I have been a fair amount of places. Yeah, there's more to a lot of stuff in Southeast Asia I'd like to see. And, of course, the tropics. I'd like to get to Easter Island sometime. That would be pretty cool, right? So... There is a funny thing. I mean, I don't think... I'm sure this could happen. But uh, I have 
mentioned this before to someone um, when they asked, like, what is the one thing that I really wanted to do at that moment in time? And like point blank, just stared at him and said, if I could uh, wrap myself into a burrito and eat my way out. (laughs) Could you imagine? That's hilarious. You're really showing me how much you love Mexican food. (laughs) I'm learning a lot about you right now. It's pretty much the only thing I've eaten other than this morning. Okay. um, Since I've been here. I try and get my fix. Yeah, yeah. All right, last question. If you could have three wishes, what would those be? Um... Oh, so many. I didn't pre-think about any of this stuff. That's um, okay. Um, definitely um, good health upon, I mean, like everyone in the world, but definitely my friends and family. Um, wishes that everyone has orgasms every time. <laughs> um, everyone out there. You're so thoughtful. <laughs> um... And the third one, um, for there to be good Mexican food in Honolulu sometime. There That's you go. a huge wish. There you go. I love that your final answer <laughs> is Mexican food <laughs> in Hawaii. Good Mexican food in Hawaii. <laughs> ah, that's the dream. I love it. I love it. Well, that's it. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I had a wonderful time. Is there anything you want to promote while I've got you on here? Do you want to throw anything out there? Social media, Um, events, anything like that? Sure. You had mentioned it earlier. Um, So this year, um, the Skull and Crown Trading Company was was to host Tiki and Waikiki, um, which it was a Tiki and Waikiki that never was. Like kind of heavy, but wasn't really all there um, due to our governor changing the rules last minute. Um, So yeah, if everyone could keep an eye and ear out for future events, um, and definitely when you come to Oahu, check out Noah and um, the bar in Chinatown. It's one of my favorite spaces. Yes. Um, I really enjoy it, and I think you should too. I love that shout out, and I'm going to add to that our friends at Skull and Crown, Noah and Angelina, Sponsors on Inside the Desert Oasis Room. We love them. They show so much aloha. Please stop in at Skull and Crown in Chinatown on the island of Oahu. I guarantee you will enjoy it. So Correct. We'll leave it at that. We'll leave the shout out to them. And if everyone out there would like to listen to some previous episodes, check out our archive at DesertOasisRoom.com. In the meantime, we're going to wish you a cheers and aloha, and we'll see you at the next episode. Cheers and aloha, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Aloha. Aloha.